Hi guys, this is Gab, and welcome to another episode of Where to Go Next. Today we have Mansi on the phone, and Mansi's, you know, just being a guest on the show meant a lot to me because when she reached out and told us that she wanted to be on the show, it was a complete surprise. She was a stranger to us at the time,、um, but listened to Kate's episode and thought that it was worth participating in our little project. Um, we had a really great conversation, and we really hope that you enjoy this honest conversation as well. I have some notes in the end if you could spare some time to listen to it. But no more words. Check it out. I guess I can just start with the first question that we normally ask our guests too, and then you can sort of like free flow, just like answer your introduction however you want.、Um, so, where are you from, and where are you now? You can sort of take that in the broadest interpretation of meetings. Um, but we usually use that just so people can tell us a little bit about their journey to here. Okay, so my name is Monsi, and I was born in Austin, Texas.、Um, I would say I'm pretty Texan.、Um, I would say I'm more Texan than I am American,、um, especially right now. <laughs>、um, well, I don't know if being Texan is any better, but it is what it is, I guess.、Um, I am. My parents are Indian. Um, they immigrated to the United States. Well, my dad came in the eighties, my mom came in the nineties, and so、um, I guess I'm like first generation、uh, Indian American.、Um, where I'm from,、um, I guess that's a loaded question.、Um, <laughs> um, I mean, I'm obviously American in my thinking and everything in my thoughts, but.、Um, I've also spent a lot of time in India growing up, like in the summers, or at least most summers.、Um, my parents would send me to India alone,、um, and so I just spent time with my family in India that I didn't know,、um, and my parents weren't always there to guide me.、Um, so, you know, I, I feel very Indian in that way as well, even though I didn't feel like that when I was growing up.、Um, but I also would say that I feel very British. <laughs> Because I have been obsessed with England since I was nine years old,、uh, or even younger, I've just always been obsessed with the culture and the places and just the stories and everything.、Um, and then I lived in London for a little over a year doing my masters, so I feel like I'm from many places. <laughs>、um, and we and we we travel quite a bit as well. So I don't know. I just I feel like I'm not from one place. I feel like my identity is kind of split up. So yeah, that is totally like fair to say, and I feel completely the same. But I was really curious about your, you know, journey growing up and getting sent to India by yourself. How was that experience for a kid? You know, it must be very overwhelming. Yeah, I think so. I'm an only child as well, so I kind of always wanted to have siblings. And my parents kind of raised me with the idea that you know my my sibling or my cousins that are in India, my first cousins, that they are your siblings. So in my head, I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to India for the summer so I can have brothers and sisters. <laughs> so、um, I guess the first I well, my mom took me to India for the first time when I was six months old. Obviously, I was a baby. I don't remember. And then I think when I was three, I went again, but I went with my aunt, not my mom. Um, but I think I was, I think I was five or six when I went like straight up on my own. 
no parents. Um, they put me on a plane and I had a flight attendant, you know, escort me the whole time. And then my uncle picked me up um, in Mumbai. And so that was kind of a norm, I would say. I didn't go every summer. It kind of depended, but maybe every other summer. Um, and then I would go for the full summer break. So like three months and then I would get passed from relative to relative. <laughs> um, so like from my dad's, my dad and my mom are from different states in India. So my dad is from Gujarat, my mom is from Rajasthan. So I would fly to Mumbai. My, one of my uncles would pick me up in Mumbai and then I would be taken to a city in Gujarat where like most of our family was. And then I had another aunt in a different city in Gujarat. So then I would just like, I, I would get transferred. Yeah. And then my grandfather would pick me up and like meet my uh, my dad's side of the family somewhere. And then my like my maternal grandfather would pick me up um, or I would go by train or like somebody would drop me or something. So it was very interesting to grow up with the family without my parents um, because they weren't there, you know, they weren't there to see how I'm doing or monitor me. And I mean, at the time, this is the 90s early 2000s, we didn't have cell phones and technology where you have free WhatsApp calls, you know, so it was expensive for parents or even them and my family in India to like make a call if I was just randomly crying or um, if they didn't understand what I wanted, like I would ask for a lot of food that they did not understand. So for example, like my entire family jokes that I would always ask for candy, but candy in India means a popsicle it's not chocolate. <laughs> so they would always be like, does she want, like she wants, um, she wants a popsicle or does she want, what is candy? And I would just like, I want candy. And they could not understand what candy was. And then finally, like one of the calls me, I was like, oh, she wants chocolate, not candy. Um, so it was like a lot of small things like that, or I don't know if y'all have ever had like hole in one. Um, and just like a, a piece of bread or a tote, like a slice of bread where you cut out the middle and you crack an egg in it. And then you like, yeah, I think that's a pretty normal breakfast food, I guess, in the States. And they, for the life of them, could not understand <laughs> what a hole in one was. Um, so there's a lot of like weird, quirky things that I learned um, about the Indian culture and like I built independent relationships with my family members without my parents. So I think that was a good thing. Um, but it was very interesting. Um, and then I don't know, I would, yeah, it's, it's like complicated. I feel because I would go to India and be really happy. And then when I would come back, like as I got older and became a teenager, I wanted nothing to do with Indian culture because of like things that were happening here in school and things that I were like I was being told or being bullied about. Um, so it's interesting to see how that journey of identity kept on like changing um, and how, how I would try to dissociate my Indian family from like my friends here or like, I don't know, it, I, I've always felt, well, I used to feel really awkward about like mixing the two. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that even answered the question. I went on a totally different tangent. <laughs> no, I think it does. And I was actually going to ask more about it. Do you think that the conflicts um, between those different identities are usually caused by external factors or was it mostly coming from, you know, an internal battle? Uh, within yourself of having those different 
identities, you know, of being British, Indian, and American, and et cetera. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it probably started externally because of what I was being told. And I only questioned it because of what I was being told. And then it became an internal battle. Um, so I wouldn't say it was inherently there. I don't think I ever noticed that I was different until somebody at school would have pointed it out to me. Um, I was very content with myself as a little kid. I was a really happy kid. Um, I really only dealt with these things when I was told things at school or bullied about it. Or um, I don't know. I also think 9-11 had a lot to do with it, maybe. Somebody pointed that out to me recently, and I never had actually pinpointed a date or a time where things changed because I was so young when 9-11 happened. You know, I was in third grade, and that makes me, I don't know, like eight, nine years old. I don't know how old you are when you're in third grade, but um, I was told a lot of things um, about, like, where I'm from or what my parents are. Like, are y'all Muslim? Are y'all terrorists? Um because 9-11 happened and there was this ambiguity that a brown person is like Arabic or Middle Eastern or a Muslim, which there is nothing wrong with that regardless. But at the time, that was obviously a really difficult thing for people to go through. And a lot has to do with where I was raised or the schools that I went to. Um, Houston is pretty diverse. And if you're in South Houston, there's an area called Sugarland in Missouri City, and there's a lot of Asians and, and South Asians, or like Eastern Asians, South Asians, Middle Eastern people. It's everybody that's like an immigrant in that way from Asia is in South Houston. And my parents actually made a conscious decision to not live in that area because they had seen how my other cousins were being raised and like the schools, they were no, they were only Indians or Asians. So they were not experiencing what it is to be quote unquote American. So my parents were like, no, let's go to a different area of town. And so we went to the North, like Northwest Houston. Um, and then we like moved to this little town called Tomball, which is a suburb, but it's officially outside of the Houston um, city limits, I guess. And it's pretty conservative. Now it's different. It's changing. But at the time, like this is, and this is literally 20 years ago, 19 years ago, it was very conservative. Um, and I remember it was probably, I think, from third grade all the way to graduation, like 12th grade, there was only me and two other Indian kids, like Hindu Indian kids, and maybe two Pakistani kids like in an entire school of 2000 something students. So for a lot of people and a lot of the friends I made, I was the first brown person they had ever interacted with. So I think that with it being fresh, like very fresh and new of like the, the immigrants that were coming in and then also 9-11 happening and not understanding that Hinduism is different than Islam geography is a problem for people, I guess. I don't know. Um, there was always a lot of issues about, oh, but you're not, what it like, what is it to be Indian? Or, you know, if you're brown, you're Middle Eastern, or you're Muslim, or I don't even, people are dumb. <laughs> but um, like, I could say more, not so nice things. But um, I think a lot has to do with the hate that I experienced growing up. Um, and that's probably why I 
had that internal battle is because of the things that I was being told also in terms of religion. So it, what, like I experienced, yes, I experienced racism, but I also experienced a lot of like religious prejudices. Um, and that was just like, because I was not Christian. Um, and I was just a different religion and people here are very conservative in terms of religion. Um, so that was a huge problem and people trying to convert me, um, or tell me that, you know, you're a sinner or that, you know, our, our parents said you can't be, or our parents said, we can't be friends with you because you're not a Christian and you're going to go to hell. And when you're 10 years old, you don't even understand what that means. But if you're 10 and you're being told you're a sinner, you're like, but why am I a sinner? I haven't done anything. Um, and it's just a very different concept. So I experienced a lot of that growing up. Um, and in the process, I would say I became very American in what I thought was American, like white American. Um, so I had a lot of issues with identity in terms of how my external physical self did not match what I felt on the inside. And then I projected that onto my family or my parents that I hated being Indian um, because I just, I hated everything that was Indian because of what I was being told or the jokes that I would experience or the bullying, whatever it was. So it kind of, it was like a wave, I would say, from thinking there's nothing wrong to thinking there's something wrong to thinking that, okay, I just hate being who I am and this is the worst thing ever and uh, no boy is going to take me to homecoming or prom or all of these little these pressures as a teenager is it's pretty i don't know it can be pretty excruciating especially when your parents don't understand the culture um or they're trying to understand i mean my parents were they're not as conservative as a lot of indian families um but it doesn't mean that they're perfect or that they knew everything and I can't blame them for them now like now in hindsight you know I realize that you know they were doing their best but um it sucks when you're a teenage girl growing up <laughs> and I think most everyone feels that way it's not even it doesn't matter where you're from yes totally I just want to say thank you for sharing those really honestly and I totally felt a lot of the same things growing up or even like um, with my parents as well, I feel like there will always be a generation gap between people that you love the most and I, you know, personally strongly believe that nobody will truly understand you because they don't have your body, they don't go through the exact same experience that you're going through, so um, a lot of things you just sort of have to embrace yourself or having to, you know, comfort yourself. Um, and you're very right in saying that I don't necessarily think that people are dumb. I think that they're sometimes very arrogant, ignorant, and not informative when they could be. Um, a lot of times people also don't realize how easily they, their words, their actions can cause harm to other people. Yeah, so, um, yeah, like I think in my daily life right now, I try to say less um, and to not fight with people when I can avoid conflicts because i think you know americans are very confrontational it is sometimes a good thing but also i hate when people are overly aggressive at times uh in inserting themselves in front of other people yeah i want to thank you also for sort of sharing and i think it really resonated with me you're like grappling with american identity and sort of like in hindsight being able to recognize that as like 
Um, I'll speak from my own personal experience, like wanting to assimilate to like white American identity. Like I think for me, like growing up just in high school, I think it was just easier to be able to fit in than try to like really grapple with like multiple identities or just like where I wanted to fit in. Um, And I'd be curious to sort of, I think you talked a little bit about like not really like seeing a problem to like seeing a quote unquote problem as like defined externally. I would be curious as to like your reckoning since then um, and sort of your reflection on like now where your identity stands. And I think you mentioned like identifying more as Texan. So like any sort of evolution. And I wonder if that has anything to do with you living in um, London as well. Yeah, I definitely think a lot has to do with me going abroad for my master's. Um, But I would say that that journey kind of started even before, and I would give that credit to Trump. (laughs) That's the one time I would give him credit. um, Because I realized that the people who were around me that I thought accepted me as an American actually didn't accept me. They accepted me because they knew me, but they didn't accept the other people that looked like me. So, yes, you know, I would, in our neighborhood, if there was a, I'm not trying to call anybody out, but if there was a white neighbor or somebody that I had grown up with as, you know, as our family friend, um, we always knew that politically we were different, um, but we thought they accepted us. And then as the whole election happened, we, and I mean, I'm talking about my mom as well. We noticed how people, they didn't really accept us. They accepted us because, or they were nice to us because they personally knew us. But I would, I can guarantee if they had met some, another Indian family in the grocery store, they would not have reacted the same way. And I don't like when people are selective in terms of those things. So I think that the biggest thing that kind of shifted my ideology was, I mean, when I did my undergrad, um, I, I kind of noticed that I always had a group of diverse friends or people like friends with different backgrounds, but I never really had Indian friends. Um, and that could have been intentional or like a subconscious thing. I know that I definitely, when it came to dating an Indian guy, that was like a huge, I would never do that. Like, in my head, it's like, no, I cannot end up with an Indian guy. Um, I don't know if I'm sure that other people go through this as well. Or, and I mean, yeah, I just, I could not, I could never say or think that I would end up with an Indian guy. And my dad will always be like, well, what if it's an American born Indian guy, just like you? And it's like, nope, the family's not going to be like that. And I would find all these excuses and I just, I really, it's internalized racism. I hated Indian people and I'm saying it very honestly. Um, Like I loved the people that were my family, but anybody else, no. I was like, I don't want to be associated with you. It was a a big problem. Um, So when I went to college, um, well, when I was little, my mom really wanted me to learn how to read and write Hindi and I refused. So I always understood Hindi and I could speak basic Hindi, but I I was not fluent or grammatically correct. Um, And then uh, at UT, we were required to take a language and 
it was my mom's like 50th birthday and she I was like you know what let me take Hindi as my language and I'm gonna write her a letter uh, write her a, like a birthday letter in Hindi um, so I took Hindi and then I was all of a sudden in a group like in a classroom full of Indian American kids that I never would have been friends with or even talked to um, but I, I definitely noticed how you know when there's like stereotypes of Indian Americans, right? You have the super nerdy Indian Americans, and then you have the Indian Americans that are smart, but they're super rebellious at the same time. And I'm sure that, you know, y'all in college have experienced both because they definitely exist. There is definitely a group of Indian American kids that hide everything from their parents and they're going and doing everything imaginable. Um, and they're very liberal and rebellious, but then they stay like in their friend groups, they stay within the Indian community. So nobody questions anything um, like parents or like the Indian community won't question it. Um, but I never fit into either. So I always had non-Indian friends um, or very few, like one or two Indian friends. Um, and I think the election happening is when I was like hyper aware of the color of my skin. And that's when I started to notice and realize that, okay, what my life could be easier if I did end up with an Indian person, because I have all of these things that are already understood and inherently just known that I don't have to explain myself to somebody every time. Um, so that's like, that's kind of how things started to change. Um, and then, yeah, going to London, it just changed everything because I... I met people from everywhere in the world when I went I, when I was in school and I became really close with all of these people and then I became really close with some Indians from India. So it wasn't even like a western Indian person. It was just meeting people from India who were in the same field or path as me and had the same ideologies and didn't fit into the Indian stereotypes. Um, and they were like trailblazers in their own communities in India um, or in their families or whatever. And they didn't take sh crap from any crap from anyone. I don't know if I can cuss. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, it was really different. And then also seeing how the Indian culture is embraced in the UK. That was a huge thing. Because in the US, it's like you're a minority that doesn't even get minority status in a way. Like if you have to, you know, sign or like you're filling out paperwork or census or whatever it is, it just says Asian. That's really ambiguous. Like why is there, why can't you define it or be more in depth about it? When I applied to go to school in the UK, there were options like British Indian, British Afghanistani, British Pakistani. I was like, this is fascinating. Um, so I, I really saw how Indian culture was embraced in the UK and it's like an integral part of British culture. And I think that also helped me change my perspective of the Indian culture, like Western Indian culture. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so we talked a, um, a little bit about, you know, you living in the U.S. and British and how the experience were like. And in your previous email, you used to talk about being treated as an outsider or being seen as an outsider when you go back to India. So can we talk about, you know, that experience a little bit and how, yeah, providing more stories and details and helping us understand how do you feel at the time, what happened? Yeah, so I think 
it's this double-edged sword, right? Because in America, you're not in America, you're too Indian. And then if you go into, if you go to India, they like an average person on the street, they know you're not born there or like living there by your clothes, your demeanor, your body language, how you speak the language. Even if I have a slight Indian accent, um, they know and they perceive you different. Um, and there is a perception that just because you live abroad, you are rich and successful and wealthy when that is not true. There are thousands of immigrants living in the UK or in the US or in Europe who are like struggling paycheck to paycheck, living in a really awful neighborhood or community. Um, and in some cases living in poverty. But again, that perception back home is that no, they're living the life. So I think that has a lot to do with it. Um, also, oh, I hate this. You're too opinionated. Like I get told that by this, by family all the time, you're too opinionated or why do you need to be a feminist or why do you need to fight? Why do you need to go to a protest? Um, and my mom is the same way, but she was like this in India, like being born and raised in India. Um, she's raised me this way, but she was already like this. So I'm not saying there are women who are very strong fighting in India, but society is always going to tell them you're too opinionated. You need to shut up and stop. Um, what is the word? Um, stop promoting this behavior for our other girls. I can't think of the exact word of what I'm trying to say. Um, but that it's, it's like, you're threatening the rest of the girls in the community or in the family or whatever it is. So I know as the only American in my family or non-Indian born person in my family, they can never truly understand my experience. And I don't even know if there's always a desire to because it's something that they probably can't comprehend until they would come here and live here. Um, but yeah, I think just even in terms of basic jokes, like you asked for specific examples, a basic joke of like, oh, are you sure you like Indian food? Are you sure that, you know, you can handle this spice? Are you sure? Um, I don't know. I feel like it happens so often that now I'm just like immune to it. So now that you, um, like look around and maybe think about this question, do you think the people who you tend to connect with the most are people who look like you share the same growing up like a background or story, family background, whatever with you? Or are the people who sort of felt the same thing at certain times with you? So I don't necessarily think it's people that look like me. I think I have really connected with people who have traveled, be have traveled um, and have experienced different cultures and people. And I've also noticed that I've, I connect with people who have an, I don't know. I think I connect with people who have like large families with slightly invasive, <laughs> like tendencies. <laughs> um, okay. That sounds really bad. I don't mean my family's invasive, but what I mean is like, it's like the big fat Greek wedding type of cultural thing that I'm talking about, um, where people potentially are always in your business or telling you what to do 
or everybody knows everything or wants to know everything um, or discusses everything. <laughs> um, so it, and that can be from like my closest, all my friends are from some different background, whether it's being Mexican American or Brazilian Austrian or Czech American or British Indian or whatever it is. Everybody is more than one thing. So, I don't know. They're bicultural, I guess. Most of my friends are bicultural. Yeah, I honestly... Well, this is just my idea, but I don't think you can actually fit people into one thing. Yeah, just, it's, it's hard. Just, it's hard, and I think, well, people try to make assumptions about people all the time, but in reality, it's just we have so many different faces, and you can never, as a stranger make assumptions like whatever mm. assumption you're gonna make it's going to be false yeah so because i mean th you can meet somebody who's never left the state of texas but they are so informed and they are so self-educated so it it really you can't put that assumption and another thing is you cannot make assumptions based off of what somebody's family looks like the byproduct of that family might be very different <laughs> i've seen that a lot in texas too so you might have you know somebody who's Super redneck, a family that's really redneck, but the kids or the child is not that way. I love that sort of, and I think it's increasingly like definitely people we've talked to on this show, but I think like when I think of my friend groups as well, I think being bicultural, multicultural, however you want to describe it, like whether that be in appearances or just like, it's not even just traveling because I think about this a lot. Like there are people who travel, you know, like my tutu, for example, um, is Japanese American has traveled a lot, but we don't always share the same values or like perceptions of like what it really means to like understand our identity when living in a country outside of where we were born or something like that um so yeah i think like your like your experiences living in london um were really interesting because i spent about a year there doing during my undergrad time too like and that was still when i was going you know back and forth and not back and forth but just like really still struggling um feeling like I needed to fit in with, like, one group or another. Um, and then I think, yeah, London is super interesting, I think, like you were saying, because it's very multicultural and just very multinational, right? Like, people – I have a very good Indian friend who I met in London, like, and people from all over the EU, and just, like, you know, I think that's a very different experience than even living in the States. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just going to touch on one more thing that you said about London – um, you're really right that it's multinational. I met people, but the thing I loved about London is that you could be at a bus stop and a random person will just say hi and start having a conversation with you. Like, for example, my mom and I, we were in London outside of Harrods and we were waiting at the bus stop and there was another Indian guy and my mom and him just started talking and turns out they're from the exact same small town in India. And that's the thing I loved about London. It's that you can feel so alone, or at least growing up in the U.S., we felt so isolated. And then we went to London and we're like, my mom was like, oh, my God, I just met somebody from Ajmer. Like, how crazy is that? Because that wouldn't, I, we have not experienced that here. Um, so I think, yeah, that has a lot to do with it. I, I don't know. And just meeting people from from Africa or, I don't know, Lebanon, just everywhere. It, it was it was really fascinating and learning through other people's stories. I, that's another thing I've realized recently is that, you know, you can get a million facts about anything, but until there's a story 
or a film or music or some art form or something that something creative that you hear that really affects you, you're not going to question your current beliefs and you're not going to change your behavior. And I think that's why art is so important. Um, that's just a random tangent, <laughs> but like, that, but like even this podcast, somebody will hear this and might question something and be like, you know what, maybe I shouldn't have done this when I was a kid. Okay, this is how I can change my behavior as an adult. Hi, this is Gab, and I um, just want to call myself out on using the word hate too much in this episode because I promised myself to you know, not use the word as much just because it's a very strong word and I think I should use it more properly. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope that you are living a very lovely life with caring friends and a supportive um, network. All right, friends, I hope you have a lovely, lovely day and we will catch up later. Ciao.